have Yahweh again the opportunity to be in your word and share your word, your truth, your knowledge and wisdom, Father God. Have Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakletos, Aman. So, drawing to a close of this year, again, as the Mammon calendar decides that this is the beginning of a, another year, and I've seen individuals throwing these things out there. But here's here's that you have to understand some of these things here. You have no way, no way whatsoever to foretell the future of this year coming. None. By no means do you have that capability. You do have, however, a number of those self-proclaimed individuals. Oh, this is going to be a great year. Boy, we have this projection. We have that projection. I've got all this investment. We're going to be, we're going to make a bundle this next year. So says you. But if the investment firm that you deal with takes a misstep or miscalculation and ends in total downfall, and then you end up broke and you end up like the individuals that you see wandering on the streets. Could happen, could very easily happen. I have known a few people in my lifetime that were actually quite wealthy. Very wealthy, owned a lot of properties, owned several businesses. And somebody had cheated them, went behind their back, manipulated their monies and wandering around on the street in long coats and warm hats and gloves. And they don't talk about things unless they open up to you. Um, I'm going to share a story with you here. This has to do with judgmentalism. And what we do is we tend to judge by what we see in the appearance. Now, this was, I was quite young. I think I was still in junior high school, maybe. Yeah, I was in junior high school. And there was a very, very dark, very dark black man who was wandering in the park, always had a long coat on, didn't matter what the weather was, and it didn't matter rain or shine, he had this long coat and a hooded sweatshirt on, always, and the hood was up. And it was kind of disturbing, he, he seemed to be a gentle individual, was not approaching many folks and always seemed to stay on the open. He wasn't a hider. What I learned from my father, my earthly father, is that this young man, and he was young, couldn't tell because he kept his hood up all the time, kept his face hidden. But what I learned was he was actually the next in line to a throne in his kingdom, 
on the continent of Africa. And he refused to be put into a safe house because what he had learned was there were people hunting him. And his preference was to be out where he could see them coming. And if he was confined, he could not do that very thing that he was requesting. My father made me promise, of course, this is so long ago, made me promise that I would not share that with any of my school friends and that I couldn't tell anyone. And I did not. I wanted to protect him as my father was. But this relatively young man was, as I said, in a very long overcoat and had his sweatshirt on and the hood was always up and pulled over so you couldn't really see his face and he wandered the streets and stayed out in the park and stayed mostly out in the open until darkness fell and then he would disappear or vanish I share that with you because you have no idea what anybody on this street is going through no idea and you do not have the right nor authority do you have to judge any of those individuals and it's a hard thing to do because sometimes they get a little antsy and they get very animated it can be disturbing but you have to guard that you have to deal with compassion and kindness, no matter what's going on and what you may think of them, that's, you don't have that right. And we should not do that. And I'm sharing these bits with you because this young man's father had been assassinated and the warlords that abound in the country were trying to take over, <coughs> and they knew about him. So they collected individuals to come and find him. So what I'm sharing this with you for is because we have no idea what's coming in this next year. None. 2023 is upon us. Eleven fifty nine PM and when the second hand strikes twelve it'll be AM of the morning for the first day of twenty twenty three, the new year. My blank contract that I signed with my Lord tells me that my faith will carry me through. You can pray for all sorts of things. You can pray for uh, the government. You can pray for the elected officials and all those things, which is a good thing. And we should do that. But we also have to remember that God is sovereign. And that his will would be done. And remember, Jesus taught the disciples that prayer. He taught us that prayer. When the disciples said, well, how should we pray? Teach us what we should pray. 
And Jesus recited what has been come, become called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You are sovereign, Lord. We have authority that is given to us by Jesus. I've shared that with you in the book of Luke. But we have to remember these things. And this is, um, there's an included paraphrasing of 2 Thessalonians 3.16. This is a good prayer. This is a paraphrase. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 is, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. And the Lord be with you all. And Paul was writing that in his letter to the church because you don't get peace. You get peace from the world. No, you don't get that. They're going to declare it. You're going to have this thing, but sooner or later you're going to get the ruffling and it's going to be a mess all over again. So the prayer, a paraphrasing of the, of the prayer is, is good. Lord, may you, the Lord of peace, give me your peace at all times in every situation. Lord Jesus, you are my king. And that I believe. That prayer And nothing wrong with making that personal. Remember, I've shared this with you before. The Lord likes us to make things personal. As long as you're not trying to rewrite the Bible, God doesn't matter that you make it personal. He doesn't matter that you take a scripture like 2 Thessalonians, that Paul's writing to the church and making a, a generalized statement. But God does not mind that you make it personal. Lord, you, my sovereign Lord Jesus, that you give me your peace in all things that I may be calm. And then we go over to the book of Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi and telling them to be anxious or care for nothing is how it's written in the King James Version. The Lord is at hand, and be careful for nothing. Paul's telling them not to be anxious. You don't care so much about something that you're distracted from your walk. Say you're distracted from your path, and you're paying such close attention to that that you trip over the stone, and off you tumble, and you bust your grill. It happens. I've seen you. I did that. <laughs> I did that just a little bit ago this morning. I was walking and I was um, <laughs> I was going to pick up some things in the street with my recycled barrel that I had put out there and had been dumped and folks had dumped stuff all over. So I went out to pick it up. And as I was going down off the curb, the lid had fallen back and I was looking at everything where it was and was going to pick it up. I wasn't paying attention to my footfall and I tripped and fell. Yeah, I went down. Went on my knees onto the can lid and didn't 
Oh, because the street's really rough as well. I would have been really bashed up, but I didn't. The Lord was holding me up and didn't fall because he knows that's already what my injury was from before. So he held on to me. Thank you, Father. But we do that. When we get so concerned about other things that we don't pay attention to what we should be paying attention to. This is the lesson that he was giving to Elijah when Elijah went up to his mountain and was hiding out in the cave. It's the same thing he told him. And it's the same lesson that we get all the time. Paul is telling us the same thing right here in the book of Philippians. So we come all the way out of the Old Testament into the New Testament in reading through the word of God, regula fidele, rule of faith, and we come back to the Old Testament and to the book of Philippians, and Paul's telling the same thing. Be careful for nothing. What he's telling them translates to be anxious for nothing. Don't be so concerned with all this stuff and the hubbub that's going on already. Now, the church here in Philippi, I've shared with you before, it was pretty much surrounded. Greeks, Romans, false teachings, doctrines, all sorts of nasty stuff going on. And Jewish people that had walked away and worshiping false idols and all sorts of things. And Paul was writing to them to encourage them. And finally he tells us that we find in and the uh, and he's talking to us about uh, verse seven actually, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hearts and minds. Paul writes that a lot, and I've shared it. Many times I'll share it with you again since he's offered me the opportunity and opened the door and put his foot in there and left it open. Satan likes to attack the mind because no matter what your intellectual prowess may be, doesn't matter if you have a genius quotient, don't become so self-absorbed and so arrogant and practice that Phariseeism that you're so smart, you're smarter than everybody in the world around you. And you can figure out everything. Well, guess what? No, you can't. And just like David and Saul and Solomon and Daniel and Elijah, they got caught up in the thought process and the devil used their mindset against them. And this is what he likes to do with us. He likes to get us so caught up in things that are going on around us that we lose our focus on the path, on the path that we're walking and you'll sidestep and you'll step into a brick that's kicked out of the bumper and off you go and you fall down and bump your head or you bust your grill, that'd be your teeth, um, or you become injured and You've got to walk in faith and not by sight. Don't be so caught up in everything that's going on around us. Focus on those things. The enemy will come and he will attack and he will try to get you focused on those things. And don't listen to those fools. And there, this is a strong use word. 
the fools that try to convince you that, oh, you're focusing too much on the devil and that's worshiping him. No, it's not. It's being aware that the enemy is moving about. And it's being aware that he does certain things in a certain way. Be warned, be cautious, be wary, focus on God, focus on the Lord. Don't focus on Satan, but be aware that he's there and be aware that he's moving about. Jesus warned us, Peter warned us, Paul warns us. And we are warned in the word of God. And Jesus said that he will wander around and he will come like a ravening wolves. The false teachers, the false doctrines, they are like ravening wolves. They want to come and destroy the flock. They want to come and rip you asunder. It's in the Bible, it's the truth. So why are you gonna have individuals that are claiming to be a Christian and claiming to be, and they call themselves that, but yet they want to degrade and belittle you for or a person for sharing the fact that Satan comes and will attack and cautioning warning. And what do they do? Oh, that's just, that's just idolizing Satan. That's just worshiping Satan. And, and you shouldn't focus on it. Well, the word, first of all, focus was never used in the sharing. What was shared was that we have to be aware that the enemy is real. We have to be aware that he will attack in a certain way and be aware that when we are trying to walk as close to God as we can, that the attacks and the onslaughts become more intense. And they do, and he will, and they often will come that way. The closer you walk with God and that you want to be close to God, the that Satan and his minions, the minions will come in there and they're gonna try to get you to walk to the other side and cross over and fall down. And then they're going to remind you constantly of what you did wrong. And that God doesn't want to talk to you anymore because of what you did. Do not believe the lies. Do not believe the lies. Walk in faith, not by what you see or what you hear all around you going on, the murmuring. Don't believe in that. Believe in the truth. Paul writes further, in verse number eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, of a good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul is using himself as an example. You see that I follow what I say. Nothing wrong with that. When I first started reading and studying Paul, I thought, wow, pretty arrogant, but absolutely not in arrogance because he did not teach in Phariseeism, he taught truth. You see that what I do and you see my life that you can use my life as an example because I do exactly what I say that we should be doing and I do what God tells me to do. 
Further, in verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. He was in house arrest and they couldn't get things and, and that's okay. He knows that. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's a hard one right there. That's really hard. However we are, God has told us that he is with us always. And again, the scripture, the verse says, whithersoever thou goest. It doesn't mean from point A to point B. It doesn't mean that when I leave my master bedroom and I walk to the front door, from the front door down to the corner, from the corner to the store. That's not what that means. It means whithersoever thou goest. It means in a time of happiness, joy, glee, rejoicing, or in a tearful state, a state of grief. I went and took part in a, uh, in a memorial service for a very dear man, a person, a godly man, a good man, a forgiving man, the man... And then there were individuals that tried to turn it to something that it was not. It was meant to rejoice his life, to have joy in his life. That's what I went to and remembered things. I could close my eyes and I remember he was describing things out in the wild where we had walked in some of the areas that he worked. And some of the creatures that we saw out there, some of the creatures that we saw in the water and he described them and some of the things we saw were fantastical because I'd never seen him before. But then there's individuals that were trying to turn it to something that was it wasn't. Trying to make it and listening to the feeding of the white noise interference from Satan. So wherever you go, whether it's at the top of the mountain and you're joyful and rejoicing and everything's great, or you're in the valley and it's dark and dank and, and you're, Lord, do you see? And look up and remember, Adonai Roy, my God who sees me, wherever you are, if you're in the valley and it's gloomy and dark and you're, you're in sadness or grief, God still sees you. Lift your eyes up and look to him. Change your perspective from that dark and dank place that you're at and lift your eyes up and see that brightness of his glory and rejoice in the fact that he's there and he sees you. Hagar did. She was going to lose. She thought, she believed that she was going to lose her baby. And she set that child so far away from her so she didn't hear it crying in thirst and anger and hungry and hunger. And she was out there at distance. And the angel of the Lord came and said, you will not lose this child. God has heard your prayers. He has heard your cries. And the baby was spared. God honored that baby. God honored her prayer. She built an altar there. 
and the angel of the Lord guided her to a well. Adonai Arroy, God who sees me wherever I am. I hold his hand and he helps me get to that mountain peak. And he keeps me from walking too fast downslope because you can fall and trip. And <laughs> I've done that camping before, hiking in the mountains. You get going downhill and you get moving kind of fast. You're going to slip and slide. You have to be cautious. And God is there. And when you get down to the bottom, it's kind of, it's so different down there. And the tree is overgrown and it seems so dark and it's almost like being at night. God's still there. He sees you down there. He knows you're there. He's with you. We have to remember these things. And we remember too that we if we go through in Philippians 4 and in verse 12, Paul reminds us what he said. This is the King James Version. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What Paul's trying to explain is that he has learned that no matter the situation, that God is there, God will feed, he will care for you and nurture you. You have to learn to be content in those things. That's a hard thing to do. And, and I know wherefrom I speak. I've shared this with you before that God has, God has prospered me. I'm not wealthy. I don't want to be wealthy. I have no desire to be wealthy. I had, there was a time in my life where actually I could sign for virtually anything, cars, houses, anything I wanted. And foolishly and recklessly had done those things and, and consequences as they are. So enough about that. It happens. We need to learn to be content. Praise God. Thank God in what he gives and that he is with us and what he provides when we're in need. I've shared a number of times that I look around and I don't have what I had before, but you know what? God provides what I need. My Lord, my God provides what I need. In this year coming, our prayers should be not so much as I've seen a number of these posted. Oh Lord, that you make 2023 a better year. Uh, really? How about just, oh Lord, be with us in this year coming because we don't know what is coming, but we know that you are Lord God Almighty. You, We know that you are sovereign. 
and that you are in control. And brothers and sisters, that we look not to (laughs) the elected officials, um, not to those people who like to claim to be in charge of everything because there are those that do and they want us to be reminded constantly that they're in charge. Uh, The problem with that is that they're not really. They think they are because they're leading with their mindset and they're leading with what they believe. And they're not walking in faith. They're not walking in truth. And they're practicing that uh, that deep-seated Phariseeism. And we need to practice this. I, I have this. I've saved this. I can't remember where I read it now. But um, <clears throat> so many people do this, and it takes them into that realm of judgmentalism. And you have to remember something. That an opinion is not a statement of fact. An opinion is a statement of perception from a person's point of view, and everyone has an opinion. Don't try to stuff it down somebody's throat as if it's fact, because it's not. It may be coincidentally equal to the same as others, but it doesn't make it, it still doesn't make it factual. It just makes it your perspective and your perspective happens to be in agreement with some others. But this was mentioned and this was said by someone many years ago. And he said, this is a quotation, I have never considered a difference of opinion in politics, in religion, and in philosophy as a cause for withdrawing from a friendship. That's pretty powerful because I have seen within the body of the church individuals that don't have the same opinion as someone else. They're alienated, they're ostracized, they're shunned, and individuals don't even want to come near them. It's an opinion, not a fact. Sad but that's there. And this quotation is from Thomas Jefferson many, many years ago. But we need to remember that opinions are okay and they might not be the same as yours and that's still okay. But that does not mean that you ostracize, alienate, belittle, degrade, and you shun someone else because they simply don't agree with you. That's okay. Know this is a fact. There were many, many, oh yeah, there were many that Jesus walked in his walk and he didn't like them or appreciate their position, but he still loved them. And you're like, what? That doesn't make no sense. Oh, yes, it does. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, I'm certain that he didn't like what the Pharisees had done. 
I'm certain that he didn't like the synagogue elders that had placed him in the hands of the Romans when the Romans came, the temple guards came, and the Herodians came as a gang, and they laid their hand. They all took a turn at putting their hands on Jesus and guiding him off to put him in the prison. And then the Romans took him out and back, and they beat him so severely, they beat Jesus till he was nearly dead, disobeying what Pilate had told them, but they took it upon themselves. And he was nearly dead when they took him out of the courtyard and started him on his way to Golgotha. I'm pretty certain I wasn't there, so I don't know this to be factual, but I'm pretty certain that Jesus was not liking them very well. And when they took him and nailed him to the cross, I'm certain, relatively certain, that as a man, he did not like the Romans very well because they held him down. They they tore his flesh from his bones and his... And he didn't like that very well. He didn't like them very well. But before he gave up the spirit on the cross, his love and his authority, his compassion and his kindness for all that were present there. And there were Roman centurions, men who were in charge of a hundred other men. They were in charge and they were in authority. Just like the centurion that came for his servant but his faith that he had in Jesus. And he explained to the Lord, he said, you know, we are both in authority and it would not be well that you are seen with me for both our sakes. And Jesus told him that he had not seen such faith and shared that with him. And through his faith, the servant was healed. And when he got back to his house, he asked the others, at what time did this happen? And the healing took place at the very moment that Jesus told him, your faith has made him all. At that very hour, the healing was done. This is a Roman that so many of the Jews complained about and their mistreatment and their authority. And there were some who were not so appreciative of what they had to do, but they also understood that because of their position and authority that a lot of showboating had to go on. But you had the Romans, the temple guards, and the Herodians, Herod's special guards. They all took hand in taking Jesus, in the quote-unquote capture of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, in the garden when he was praying. Oh, yeah, they went and put their hands on him, and they led him away, beat him nearly to death. Reasonably certain that Jesus was not liking any of them much at that time, and when they were spat him, but yet... When Peter had cut the ear off of one man, 
Jesus picked it up and put it back in place and healed the ear. They were still in the garden. Healed him. And when he was placed on the cross, I'm certain he probably wasn't liking the Romans for nailing his hands and feet and crucifying him in a different manner than others were. Probably was not liking it very well. And the Pharisees, just before he gave up the spirit, And he looked at them and he wept. Then he looked to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He asked his father in heaven to forgive them. Not liking, but caring and having compassion and loving them. We need to practice that, brothers and sisters, above anything else in this new year. Judgmentalism leads to derisiveness and separation. If anything at all, I pray for the strength and boldness and courage to be upright and bold in the truth of the Lord God Almighty, that your strength would increase in that place. Not just in and around your walk to be able to withstand whatever comes, whatever the government throws you or whatever they decide but to stand upright, be bold and courageous in righteousness, as so was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Zariah, as they stood boldly and courageously standing before Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon at the threat of death for not worshiping his golden idol, are not worshiping him. But simply, they stood bold and courageous. They stood upright. They weren't confrontational. They didn't challenge him and say, come on, Nebuchadnezzar, send out your guards here. We'll take them on. Eh, None of that was necessary. I'm certain, too, that they didn't like or appreciate what he was doing. How about this? Do you think that they were liking Nebuchadnezzar when they were bound and told that they were going to be taken to the furnace and he was going to sit on his throne that was present there and that he was going to watch them while they burned? I would suggest that they probably did not. 
they probably didn't care for him much at all. But yet, they still were not confrontational. They just simply said, hey, you go ahead and throw us in there. And we're not going to renounce our God. We're not going to renounce our faith in God. And he will deliver us. And if he chooses not to, and he chooses to take us to heaven and allow us to be consumed by the flame, that doesn't matter because we are still going to be in heaven with our Lord God. So this is much like Paul was talking about where, and now you got to remember that that's in the Old Testament. Now we're going to jump down to the New Testament and Paul was reminding those that he was able to be content in having and having not. You think that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were having? <laughs> no, they weren't having anything. They were bound and they were getting ready to get thrown in the furnace. And then Nebuchadnezzar leaned forward and said, hey, all you over there, you counselors of this false deity that we have running around over here and, and you're worshiping all that, didn't we just throw three three guys in this furnace? How come I'm sitting here and I see a fourth running around in there? And he's not even bound. I thought I told you to tie them up. And he's running around in there and he looks like the son of God. Interesting. I've shared this when I talked about the authority that Jesus had, that he shares with us, by the way. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, had not been shared to Nebuchadnezzar as yet. So by his visual, it was only by the authority of Jesus probably not liking Nebuchadnezzar right then much, but he came for his loved one, his, came for his children. And his authority preceded him and allowed the vision of Nebuchadnezzar to be clear. You see who I am in your furnace because my children that you put here are not going to be consumed by this fire not on this day and not in a day that you decide. They'll come home when I decide. This is the authority that we have to stand with and stand by and, and stand in during this new year coming. Remember, I shared this with you before. Have faith that the detour is the road. You might be swimming along straight, nice path in 2023, everything's going, and then all of a sudden, bang, the, the, tire, the front tire blows out, and now you're all wobbly all over the wheel road, and you wind up, up up against the guardrail in the middle of a blizzard, in the middle of a rainstorm, middle of a hurricane, wherever you're at, and it's not good. But you know what? It is because God's with you. 
It is because you weren't allowed to go over the side. It is because God's got help coming right up behind. Coincidentally, no coincidence. God's got somebody coming up behind you at the very moment that you need their help. I've had that done, and it's really an amazing thing when it happens. Ah, you look like you could really use some help there. Oh, yes, indeed. Where'd you come from? Oh, I was just back away as I saw what happened. Let's get you taken care of. And away you go. God is good. God is great. And rejoice in every day because he is with us all the time. He promises that. And remember what Paul wrote that he was in learning to understand and trust in verse 12. Being content in any and every situation. In every situation is every day, every hour, every circumstance, every location, every need, not every want, every need, in every fear, every joy, every opportunity, every step, he is more present than you can possibly know and more powerful than any of your conception. And that everything is in his hands. It is by his will and his authority And that is what I pray for my brothers and sisters and for those not to be caught up in the scheme of things and the desires and the drive for politicians and those others that are deciding that they're more important than anyone else. And that we see that God is sovereign, the Lord God Almighty. We walk in faith, not by sight. You are in my prayers on my going out and my coming in on a daily basis, the start of my day and the end of my day. Be blessed.